0: Welcome to Diary of a Professional Tennis Coach with Mark Gellard and Candy Reed. Mark Gellard, we're on Diary of a Professional Tennis Coach and this is the second podcast thanks very much for joining us you're back home after a week and a half in Indian Wells how was it
1: hey candy thanks for having me back again I mean Miami right now we actually arrived in yesterday from from Indian Wells it was a it's a great tournament it's always a nice event uh results were so so which yeah we, we we weren't so successful in the singles made a quarterfinal in doubles so something we left with something but it was a yeah, great event and they're still playing. Today, I believe they've got the semi-finals and finals coming up. Yeah, great event.
0: Yeah, we've had a bit of an upset, haven't we? Because Iga has been bundled out. But going back to Magda, she was playing doubles for the first time with Katie McNally, and that seemed a successful partnership.
1: Really, really good. I mean, Katie's such a good doubles player. I mean, she's she's she understands the game and, and knows how to play doubles so well. And I think that they actually complement each other quite well with Magda kind of using her single skills to set up katie's double skills and i think that if they can play together more i hope they will be in the future able to um, i think they can get better but i know katie's in high demand with her ranking and skills being as good as they are that a lot of people want to play with her but yeah it was a nice week and i think they were a little bit unlucky to lose the uh, quarterfinal match it was 10-8 in the breakup to shibahara and Ioma, but they're a great doubles team they've been together for a while and very good doubles team i mean shuko Ioma is is knee-high to a grasshopper like me and uh, she seems to cover the court like she's 10 foot tall she's everywhere she's she's a great player so it was they're they're a good team as well can't complain
0: so who's magda playing with in miami that's the next tournament up
1: we don't have anyone right now it's about um i think today is what they say saturday double sign-in is is done in two ways you can enter in advance and then you can enter on site we entered in advance did not get in So when we get on site, we will try to find somebody that is high enough ranked that can get in with us or we can get in with them and sign in and hope hope that we can make the draw.
0: Talking about rankings, uh, it looks like Magda's going to be number 19 on Monday, a career high.
1: Yeah, that's a nice ranking to finally crack the top 20. That was always a goal. So I think she's going to be happy to have the monkey off the back a bit. Hopefully now she'll be able to sort of, that, that's been done. We've, we've taken care of the ranking and uh, now we can really focus on, on playing. I think one of the things we've struggled with the last few weeks is trying to focus on the result, on the outcome more than the process which we've been trying as coaches. to Ian and I have been trying to keep our focus on the process. But it's not easy. It's not easy when you know as a player that you're you're close to reaching a milestone, like being a top 20 player. It's, it's not easy. So, yeah, it's, it'll be a nice thing on Monday when the rankings come out and then we can get back to work and hopefully um, do well in Miami and Charleston before heading over to Kazakhstan for the Fed Cup.
0: What's changed for you now that Magda's a major semi-finalist and a top 20 player. Have you noticed people sort of acting differently around you? And are you finding yourself acting differently, perhaps on court?
1: It's a good question. I think for me, yes, I I have high expectations of her and standards all the time. And I think I'm holding her to a high standard, probably too high at the moment, which is not good either. I've got to keep a balance because you can't practice great every time you play. You can't, it, It's it's unrealistic. What I have noticed is one that's very nice is the amount of people that come up to her and say congratulations in Australia and good job, and, and which is really nice. And then just one thing that I did find interesting was when we're practicing, a lot of girls walk by now and, and just watch just as they're walking past the court on the way to their practice. They have a little look now just to see <laughs> see if we've got any magic, you know, see if there's any magic tricks or special uh, hidden <laughs> secrets we have, which we, we don't. but. Um,
0: it's not your one-handed backhand the magic?
1: Definitely not my one-handed backhand. <laughs> Most of the time she complains, I don't hit it deep enough. So, um, no, it's there's, it's overall it's been really nice for her and for us to have some people congratulating us. But, um, you know, we focused on trying to keep going. Our top 20 is great, but we would like top 10 or top 15. And one thing Magda said to me is that she's got a new perspective on how tough it has been for the girls like Eager. And these top players that have been up there, you know, whether it's Iga or Daniel Collins or Jessica Pagula, how well they manage all these things because it's not easy when you get to that, get to a high level, and, and suddenly there's there's more demands on her time at the tournament. Directors want to have her for events or functions and player parties and interviews, and all of a sudden you're saying, well, I'm one, I'm number one seed, which is a, is a great thing, but Actually, it's not helping me at all this week because I'm now having to do a lot more things off the court to keep other people happy. So at some point, where does it... It's got to benefit me as well, obviously.
0: Can you compare the hours that she was wanted at tournaments before the Australian Open and now after it with, say, media attention and, like you were saying, the tournament directors wanting uh, to chat with her and wanting advice, etc.?
1: Well, I think... Um... Being the number one seed in Austin and in Merida were, were, was very nice. Uh, obviously, the advantage of being the one seed, you're not going to play one of the top eight seeds in the first round. That's great. And, and, and usually they the, the, the tournament always is going to want the one seed to, to do some media things. Being Polish, she also is getting more attention because it's a reasonably small market. So she's getting more attention now that Poland have two players in the top 20. So there's more things, you know, whether it's having to attend a function for the director there in Merida or a player party or doing, we did clinics, which she's really good at. And she already does a lot of stuff because she's on the WTA uh, player board. So there's there's a lot of different things that she's got to do and manage. And, you know, one of the things we talked with her this week is for the doubles match a couple of days ago, she's having to do phone calls with, with the player board. Um, there's eight girls on the team as a rank up, these kinds of girls that do a real good job. But, you know, it takes a lot of time and it's draining. And so, as a coach, we're also having to step in So that That's enough. That's, you got to put your phone down. You can do it later, you know. But there is. An, and, and, but that's part of it. And that's what you want to be in this position. You want to be the one seed. You want to have people asking you to do things. And, you, you know, you don't want to be ranked 300 and nobody talks about you. So, you've got mm-hmm. what you want. And it's like Magda said, sometimes I suppose I have to be careful what I wish for. But I think, yeah, she's noticing this and she's not 19 years old. So it's it's not, whereas Coco probably didn't know anything different. This is all Coco has ever known, right? The amount of attention right. and Whereas for Magda, 31, this has never happened before. So it's a bit of a new thing for her to have to deal with. She actually said to me, she said, after we finished in Australia, we went to Poland for four days. And she says, I wish I hadn't done that. I wish I'd just gone straight back to, to Florida. Ian and I actually told her that we thought what she did was the right thing. Because at 31, you don't know how many times that will happen to you again. And you've got to capitalize on it. You've got to enjoy your moment of everyone wanting you but it really drained her four days of just nonstop media attention. And now that she's going to be top 20 on Monday, she's getting a little bit more with requests and and things like that. But I think she's starting to now already in this short period of time, learn how to manage this stuff a little bit better and go, okay, that's no, I'm not going to do that. And I I'll do this, but no more. So I think, yeah, she's learning how to deal with it. And we're also trying to balance the part of keeping her focused on what we need to to do what's important on the court, but also allowing her to, let's say, enjoy a little bit. But there are some responsibilities. Right? People want to hear from players that are ranked higher or doing better, and she has to honour those those responsibilities. So I think it's a balance right now from all of us, just trying to figure out where that sweet spot is. And mm. and you know how it's, I mean, it can all change very quickly. You have a few losses, and everyone's forgotten about you. I think we just got to keep focusing on on the process of tennis and handling oh. our business.
0: And enjoying the moment as well. So let's talk about the fact you've left Indian Wells. Now you're back at home training, ready for Miami. How was uh, getting home? Who books the flights? Do you try and uh, have a flight in the morning, in the evening when you go to tournaments? Obviously you've, you've stayed in the country in the United States, but when you travel abroad, what's the process for that? And how many days do you like to get to a tournament in advance of the first round?
1: after she lost her doubles it was later in the day so we're not going to fly that day so we were looking for something next next day she usually looks i usually look online and she has a travel agent that will help if we need but with these ones it was pretty straightforward booking through orbits we flew from palm springs which which is great because it's right next to the tournament it's 15 minutes away so the tournament drive you from your hotel to the to the to the airport and then we flew via houston had enough time to run in and grab a burger uh, on, the, on, the, on the run burger at the airport. We had about an hour change uh, waiting time. And then flew into Fort Lauderdale, got in about 10.30 at night, home by about oh 11.45, maybe midnight. And then the great thing about living in Florida is when you get home, you never know what animals have moved into your house while you've <laughs> been away. Whether it's cockroaches or snakes or as I've got right now, a beehive outside the back. That's all the fun of that. Yeah, we got back in back in late and then we take two days off. We're going to give it two days, but the first day will be a complete day off and the second day will be just fitness. And then starting tomorrow, we'll get down to the site because the qualifying of Miami starts a day earlier than Indian Wells. So qualifying of Miami starts Sunday and Monday, well, it's Sunday and Monday. And the main draw will be Tuesday and Wednesday. But as she's going to be seated again, she won't play till Thursday or Friday. As today's Saturday, we have enough time that we'll go down to the site there Sunday, get credentials and that kind of stuff, and then start practice on on Monday down there.
0: Since you're always together at the tournaments, how important is that you first spend your own time when you get home and you do have a complete day off?
1: It's uh, very important. Uh, I like to not see her for a couple of days if possible, and I think she probably (laughs) likes to not see me as well. (laughs) She goes and does her stuff, and I... I have my stuff. I like to try and teach some lessons when I can as well. Here with some juniors that I help. You know, it's nice to also sometimes as a coach go on the court and have different problems to deal with or, or solve different issues. See someone with a forehand that's got some issue that you haven't been dealing with with Magda, and it's it just keeps you keeps you sharp, and I enjoy it. So um, yeah, I try to do that. And catching up with house house stuff and fun stuff like cleaning.
0: All the administration problems. I should think you're in high demand, aren't you, amongst people in the area?
1: I don't know about that, but I, it's such a good area for tennis. You know, here in Delray Boca, I mean, it's just so many players. There's always people around wanting lessons, which is great. And the weather's good now. And then obviously, I think even more so during the time this time with the Miami tournament happening, more people are wanting to get involved and they come out. And Suddenly, I've got a lot more friends that call me because they want tickets. Here (laughs) at Wimbledon, I'm very, very popular.
0: (laughs) How do you cope with the weather conditions? Because obviously in Indian Wells, the courts are quite gritty, slow, high bouncing, dry air. Now you've come back to where you live near Miami, where it's a lot more humid, isn't it? Conditions tend to be faster.
1: Yeah, I mean, Miami, I think we went through a bottle of moisturizer a day each. um...
0: (laughs) I was wondering about your skin. It looks very, uh, very smooth and silky.
1: Yeah, very smooth. I take a lot of care about that. Um, Very gritty. I mean, you probably saw on TV there was a lot of long, slow points and there was a lot of comments from players. It is a tough combination in Indian Wars because the pen balls are quite heavy and they Mm. get very fluffy once they've been used a couple of games and the courts are very gritty. Here we are using Dunlop Grand Prix balls. Uh, The courts have typically been a little bit faster here than they are in Indian Wells, but we haven't been there yet this year to see how they're playing. But then again, the humidity here does cause the cause the balls to fluff up, so that slows the game down again. Yeah, we'll be interested to see when we go down there tomorrow, how how it's playing and how the courts are. We've got our practices usually are set up in advance, so we, we're going to practice with Sloan on Monday. Jessica Pagula Wednesday. We've got things set up in advance, so it'll just be a matter of going down there. And then once you arrive on site, picking up your credentials, kind of re-familiarizing yourself with, uh, I think they've added some new things to the tournament this year, made a few changes. And it's, it's, it's a little bit of a, I would say, a weird tournament down in Miami. It's, um, it used to be down in Key Skiing, which was great, but for different reasons, they moved it up to the Hard Rock Stadium in Hollywood, which is kind of West Fort Lauderdale it's an interesting it's at the miami dolphins football stadium so your player restaurant is kind of where the dolphins have their hospitality center the warm-up area is the field that the players play on usually and then they have built a stadium inside the stadium but then the rest of the courts are spread out a long long way sort of through the parking lot really where the stands have been put up and courts have been drawn or painted down so it's, a, it's an unusual setup that is very big. It's very big. And then usually at the same time, you've got them building the Formula One Grand Prix track at the same time. So it's absolute chaos down there usually.
0: Mark, when I go to a tournament, I try to familiarise myself. I go to lesser than, than, than you do, but I have a sort of uh, plan of when I go into a venue about what I'm going to do, who I'm going to talk to, how I'm going to set everything. What is your process when you go to a tournament?
1: When we first arrive on site, we need to know where some important things are. So one is the practice desk. That's the first thing. That's where you're going to book your practice courts, find out who you're practicing with, collect the practice balls. The second thing you're going to want to know is where's the stringer. So that usually when we get on site, the first time you get there, you're arriving from a different event. So you're going to want to give your racket to be restrung because you want to know what those machines and what those stringers are stringing So every machine comes up with a different number. Ideally, you want all of them to be universal, to be the same, but they're not. That's just the reality people string at different speeds. So we'll give a racket for the stringer. One thing that we do have, which I really recommend people to to get, is a a machine called an ERT, which is a device you can put on the strings when you receive it back to test the tension, which is great. So once we know where the player's desk is, stringing, then obviously we want to know where the referee's offices are. So that we can find out when we're going to play lightly when the draw is going to be made this kind of stuff and then she likes to find out where where the physiotherapists are so that once she's done her practice for the day she showers does her ice bath massage and then goes and can be get treatment depending on what the issue might be and then go out to the court so once we've sort of done all of that stuff yeah that's that's the main things we like to familiarize ourselves with and then i suppose actually the important one as well is the restaurant where's the player restaurant <laughs> making sure are we making sure our food is ready <laughs> so those are the, the, the key points and then and then once you know where you're playing in the match um, you're not going to typically find out if you're on court one or court twenty three or seven or whatever it is until the night before when the schedule is released so you'd like to try and be on site The day before to at least have maybe walked around all the courts got a feel for where everything is and if you're really lucky you know in advance that you might play on court three so you can go practice on that court maybe the day before if not then you're going to definitely try and reserve it for warm-ups in the morning before the match because you want to feel because again the courts are supposed to be the same at tournament but so many factors come into play the time of day they laid the courts, the temperature that day, who laid them—small changes make a big difference to the speed of the court, the height of the bounce. So, yeah, we try to to familiarise ourselves with that.
0: I was just watching some video, actually. I think it was on LinkedIn of them actually painting the courts, and that does make a difference, doesn't it? Whether they've been done quite recently or it's been six months.
1: Yeah, it's um, it, it makes a huge—I mean, a huge difference. It's a big a big big deal I mean so for example in Miami they resurface all these courts are basically new every year because they take the courts up and and remove them after the tournament Indian Wells apparently from what we were told by some people we know that they get resurfaced twice a year at Indian Wells
0: that's expensive
1: (laughs) exactly it's good job they have Larry there supporting that tournament but um, they put more sand into the mixture and it makes the courts a lot more gritty, which then makes the balls stop, basically. So the courts get slower. Yeah, the, so many factors influence the speed of the court. And I think the, the tour in general is trying to slow down the game. I mean, even Wimbledon now, the courts are slow. The grass is slow because it's it's more interesting, I suppose, for fans to watch longer rallies and things like that.
0: I quite like the different surface speeds and it makes it a little bit more interesting. That's my personal opinion. And now we know about the BMWs from last week in Indian Wells, the last couple of weeks where you got a BMW to drive around. And I very much enjoyed uh, talking about that in commentary. Any perks of uh, Miami?
1: This week, we're lucky in that um, I live close enough to the site where we can stay at home. And Magda also stays stays here as well. So it, it makes it easier. Ian's here. So you've got the whole team in one house, which is really, uh, <laughs> it's enjoyable to have one tournament a year where we can be at home. They did actually offer her, because she's a top 20 player, she gets a Cadillac this week. Oh,
0: uh, very
1: nice. But, um, I, You know, I think we're going to just think, keep things simple. We have a car here. I think we're going to end up just using that. Usually there, there there has been in the past. I don't know if there will be. There'll be a benefit of having slightly earlier access to court booking reservations, which is nice. So you can guarantee you're going to get the time you want to practice. Yeah, this is, like I said, this is all new for us. So we're learning the perks of, mm-hmm. of that. And I think it's going to be a motivation to keep top 20 for as long as we can, getting these little yeah. extra treats.
0: Do you find you're always making nice with the tournament director, the people that do the practice courts. I just remember that from junior days at ITFs, the nicer you seem to be to the person who's sorting out the courts, the better the court position and timing you get.
1: One of my first experiences (laughs) as a coach, I'd come out of college, I'd moved down to work in Florida for a a guy in, in ITA, Tennis Academy. And I went with the owner, we went to a tournament in Costa Rica. And the first day we got there, we had six players that we'd taken down there. And it was just chaos. You know, those grade five ITFs, it's just chaos. And the guy that was running the practice desk, we went over there and uh, the boss said, You always drop a $50 into their hand at the start of the tournament. Trust <laughs> me, it's the best money you'll ever spend. And we had the courts we wanted for the rest of the week.
0: <laughs> it's kind of like giving the barman a good tip on the first drink, isn't it?
1: we had to you you learn that you got to keep those guys happy you know because you you need those guys to help you um, get the course you want but it's um, unfortunately you can't do that on the WTA so you have to you have to rely on some charm
0: luckily you've got that Hugh Grant charm in abundance Mark
1: well, yeah, me and Ian, we, we, we sort of double team them sometimes. You know, I go in there and try, and then Ian comes in 10 minutes later with a bag of cookies for them, you know. <laughs> so we, we do everything we can.
0: You're not doing bad cop, good cop, then? Both of you are coming in as good cop.
1: We're both trying to go good cop at the moment, but, you know, after a loss, sometimes we both, I think, can be bad cop. <laughs>
0: I love it. All right, so we'll meet hopefully in another week's time, have a good chat about uh, everything you've experienced in Miami. We wish you all the best. This is the second podcast of uh, Diary of a Professional Tennis Coach. Hopefully all the listeners are enjoying it.
1: And um, maybe I'll try and get for two minutes on the next one. I'll see if Magda can stop by and say hi as well.
0: That'd be great. Yeah, we'd love to hear from her and all about your experiences of life on tour. I think it's absolutely fascinating. I just love all the information you're giving us. So thank you very much.
1: Thank you, Candy. Thanks for everyone for listening.
0: All right, Mark, we'll speak next week. Good luck. Well, I do hope you enjoyed The Diary of a WTA Coach. If you did enjoy it, feel free to rate and review. And we'd also welcome any questions you might like to ask Mark Gellard. We're both on social media. Mark Gellard. And Candy Reid, signing off for this week.